Figueredo is now the champion. That doesn't mean I have to like him. What the fire selections and the fire reflections? This is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and we've got a lot to fucking cover. Fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a long one. I always say that, and then it ends up being like under two hours, which for some people's long, for me, is a fucking walk in the park. So I'm going to do my best, though, to not glance over anything while keeping it moving. Because uh, we've got two fight cards to recap. We've got a ton of questions in the forum. And preview for next week. But before we get into any of that, we've got some important uh, business to cover. And that is, in case you missed it, it was my fucking birthday on Friday the 17th. And uh, I turned 30, which is a big milestone. And uh, I, I never really shy away from birthdays. You know, there's always those people that uh, won't let you know, or they'll say the day after, like, oh, I had a good birthday. Like, they don't want any fucking, uh, you know, shouts or whatever. I want you to know, if you follow me, you know I was insufferable the whole week. I was like, hey, motherfucker, just remind me, five days till my birthday, four days till my birthday. Like, especially after I uh, had my battle with cancer, every birthday is like a gift. And I'm always like, fuck yeah, another birthday. But... Uh, I found myself being filled with um, just like existential dread about my birthday because um, I had, you know, it just occurred to me, you know, during that week that in my life I had plans for 30. I had plans for what my life would look like. And when I say that, this is me at like 20, you know, shoved into an apartment with six other people. And uh, it wasn't until I had a conversation with my good friend uh, who does not listen. She doesn't like MMA, but her name is Emily. Um, her birthday was on the 14th. I think that's Conor McGregor's birthday, actually, but like just to tie it back, not even, you know, to be a Connie fan or whatever, but... I think his birthday's on the 14th. Um, and I let my guard down a little bit. I told her what I was feeling. And she said, can I give you some advice? And I said, yes. Because her advice is actually the kind I want. Someone I, you know, whose opinion I value. <laughs> and that goes for anyone listening as well. I'm not saying that I don't value yours. Just there's a lot of people I don't. Um, she, she said, let yourself go let go of any preconceived notions you had of what that would be or what you want it to be and just allow it to be and that was like a weight and it's so simple right it's not like that's some uh like groundbreaking philosophical advice but it's something i needed to hear and something i wasn't allowing myself to hear up to that point and once i did that i had the absolute best birthday i've been working from home and so, you know, having to work on your birthday always sucks. 
but it allowed me to see the good. It allowed me to see the fact that I was working from home and not having to put myself at risk uh, with a bunch of uh, you know people who don't wear masks and who say racist things. Um, I allowed myself to to see the the value in that, to to relish in it. That I was, you know, had a had a job during all this craziness, and my wife got me the best fucking presents, dude. She got me a, a grinder, um, like for for you know the the cannabis, the weeds. She got me a grinder that was Harry Potter themed, and this motherfucker is nice, dude. The quality is so good. It's like like some sort of brushed metal on the top. Oh my god, it's beautiful. Used it last night. Was so good. Um, she also got me a wizard's chess set, so it was all Harry Potter theme. You know me, you know, that's, uh, that's who I am. Also, um, made, like, made a really nice wall, um, on, in my in-law's house, they have, like, a wall that's painted with chalkboard paint, so you can draw on it. She made, like, a really nice wall for my birthday. It was just all these little things that were, um, that were great. Oh, and a bomb vegan cake. Shout out to Seed to Sprout, um, in New Jersey <laughs> for making me a bomb vegan cake. Same place they made our wedding cake, actually. And uh, I share this birthday with uh, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, um, Ashley the MMA nerd. I wanted to have her on this week, but uh, her husband, because he's a good husband, surprised her with a uh, with with a with week a uh, well, weekend getaway kind of trip thing or whatever. Uh, so that's obviously more important than doing my show. I said, "Girl, have your fun." <laughs> that's amazing. So, uh, oh, and uh, uh, Jess, I should mention. Um, Jass Island, as he's now named on Twitter, and uh, my new buddy from Twitter, Heather. Um, I think it's like, hey, it's Heather17 is her at. Um, lots of uh, lots of cool people share this birthday, so uh, that was another thing that was that I was happy about. And then we had fights, dude. I like, I even said this on the show before. Like, this felt like it was done for. Obviously not, but it feels like it was done for my birthday. Like we had the. Big pay-per-view on the on the Saturday before, you know, the 15th, which, which like, was awesome. Really great card. Lots of finishes. And uh, and this one last night, uh, the headline by Figgy and, and Joey B. I love when, I love when two cards are headlined by, uh, or sorry, when a card is headlined by two fighters that are um, more popularized by their, like, it's not even nicknames, it's like, because Figgy's nickname is Deus de Guerra, means God of War. That's why he has the his heritage done like Kratos or whatever. The guy's name isn't God of War. Do you guys think it's a red stripe? Like just for whatever, it's to mimic God of War. Um, and uh, Joseph Benavides, I don't think he. It might be Joe Jitsu. Like there was a whole time where um, he wanted his fans to to give him a name. Um, like he was Joby Wan Kenobi for a little bit, Joseph Ben Adidas, because he was sponsored by Adidas at one point. He's had all these like cool names. And I just want to say, hey, by the way, before I even get it, because we're not even at that card, I'm gonna start with the July 15th card. The Joseph Benavides hate hate has to stop. I know you guys are on Figgy's nuts right now, because he is exciting as shit and he finishes fights, but like, dude. Just because Joseph Benavides has a wife that's hotter than you'll ever get and he fucking wears short shorts because he's comfortable in his masculinity and because he fucking wanted to do harm to his opponent, like, that's not the name of the game, doesn't mean you have to hate him. My God, y'all are insufferable sometimes. My God. Uh, and I'm insufferable too, not like I don't know that. <laughs> but, uh, Jesus. But, uh... 
let's start things off the right way. I've, I've rambled enough. Um, this card on July 15th was sort of main card heavy. Opening up, we had Abdul Razak Al-Hassan versus Munir Lasses. That I'm not sure I'm uh, pronouncing correctly. Uh, it's, it has a French flair, but he's definitely, like, I think he was from Abu Dhabi. That's why one of the reasons why he got the call up. But uh, leading into this fight, you know, Abdul Razak fucking, like, basically commits murder on television every time he fights. Like, he just goes out there and wrecks people. And he was certainly expecting to wreck this guy, but this guy did not get the fucking memo, dude. And before before the fight, I was worried, not worried, um, I had this preconceived notion in my head that um, Abdul Razak Hassan had, a, like, a sexual assault charge against him. And it turns out that he did. I didn't make that up. Uh, and then I saw a report on Fight Week that he was exonerated because it turns out the accusers uh, were lying. And first of all, fuck those people because they're they're ruining it for actual victims. Like, that's the reason, like, people like that and Amber Heard and, and all the other fucking people like that are the reason that, uh, are part of the reason that a lot of uh, crimes like that are unheard of. The, the victims don't speak out. They're afraid to, you know. Uh, shout out to all the women who show sharing their stories when things like this come out. It's important. Um, and, and But then I was listening to the Split Decision podcast. Uh, shout out to Phil and, and the Fight Geek. Uh, really appreciate Phil for doing this. Um, brought that new story to light on their show and said that, they, you know, he was completely exonerated. And it made me feel really good, like, leading into the fight. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm fucking pumped now. And then he lost. <laughs> but it was a hell of a fight, dude. I've never seen a fight that exciting where you have two. It was almost like like Nico Price versus Luke. But if if like Luke knocked people out more often, I guess. Like at any moment I was like, these motherfuckers could end this fight. And like Lasez, we didn't really know who he was. Uh I'm sure there are a few hipsters that were like, you know, I just want to run in like that's fine, but like not many people knew who he was. And he has a fuck, first of all, a fucking iron chin. Secondly, was also unleashing bombs of his own and had a, a Abdul Razak in trouble. And my God, these boys went to war. It was phenomenal, dude. And uh, just like everybody, you know, I'm becoming a fucking huge stan of the guy. Uh, and I'm only recapping the main cards uh, of these fights for time. But uh, I believe this fight card was the one that also had... Um, the Chechen gentleman who absolutely wrecked John Phillips, who apparently is a welterweight, even though he fought a middleweight and looked huge. What the fuck? How does that guy make welterweight? Um, I, I'm forgetting his name. I feel, I feel really bad. He's che Chechen, but raised in Sweden. He trains with Alexander Gustafsson and those guys at All-Stars. Uh, Reza, 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 Reza Mazzotti. Wow, so stuttering. Reza Mazzotti was in his corner. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. Himayev, I think it's like, it's like Hamzat Himayev or something like that. He fucking did work. And so I want to shout out that guy. Uh, and, and so that fight was like incredible. And I'm really excited to see where, uh, Munir goes from here. That rhymed unintentionally. Uh, next fight on this car was Talia Santos versus Molly McCann. And let me just say, shout out to Talia Santos for, uh, you know, earning my respect. That was a, that was a well-fought win. And uh, Molly is someone I hold in high regard. You guys know that. It's not just her personality. It's not just because she fucking represents uh, the working class that I feel so like uh, so much a part of. Um, her skills are there. Her boxing is is really good for that division. Uh, and Talia Santos went out and 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 really gave her a dogfight. So so kudos to her. 
Uh, I sent I sent Molly a, a message. Normalize doing that, by the way. Normalize sending fighters who lose nice messages. Normalize fucking not being a piece of shit on Twitter. And we'll get to that when we get to the main event of, of last night's fight. But Jesus Christ. And I would hope that, and I'm, I'm like 99.9999% sure that that's no one listening. So I'm preaching to the choir here. But normalize not being a fucking piece of shit when uh, your fighter wins and uh, the other person loses. Even regardless of it being a piece of shit to a fighter. Like, what? Who raised you? But, um... This is the point I, I had to go back and rewatch these other fights because this is the point of the night where I went to bed and I kind of made um, a whole thing about it. I was like, I'm sad. I'm going to bed, y'all. I wasn't that sad. I was definitely disappointed. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to Molly, but uh, it was like 11 o'clock here and I have to get up early for work. And I was just like, you know what? I'm fucking dead. Let that, that's it. Let's go. So <laughs> I just kind of wanted to milk the comedy of that. Uh, but Jimmy Rivera did work against Cody Stamen. Uh was uh, texting my buddy Rhino during this. He's from Michigan, where Cody Stamen is. Um, uh, I'm really starting to like be, be endeared toward Cody Stamen, and I don't like that because I really did not like him before this, and I hate to to change, <laughs> as dumb as that sounds. But uh, Jimmy Rivera's from New Jersey, and he was like, this is New Jersey versus Michigan. And I was like, Jersey, baby! And that's what fucking happened. And then I went to bed. Like, I, was, I just texted him. I was like, let me know what happens, but fucking Jersey! And that's it. Uh, and then we had the uh, Tim Elliott versus Ryan Benoit decision. Um, I think Benoit is acceptable. I just think it's it's just an anglicized version of what the name should be pronounced. So I'll always go with the, um, you know, regional pronunciation like Benoit. Um, that's like in fucking Henry V and Shakespeare when um, they're talking about the French guy. They say the Dauphin in French. And fucking Kenneth Brown says the Dauphin because it's like an anglicized version, which is also like a fucking disrespectful one. That's their war, so that was like, you know, uh, apropos. But I'm always gonna say Dauphin because that's more appropriate. Um, so French, but um, that was it, man. Like Tim Elliott snapping his uh, three fight win uh, losing streak. You love to see it. Love that mullet. Love Tim Elliott. Um, Actually, shout out to uh, our boy Kev Jitsu from Twitter who called him out for a submission underground match. I really hope that happens just because it would be good to see one of our own, you know, go up against a UFC fighter. How fucking cool is that? Even if it's in submission, sub whoa, submission grappling. Uh, I love to see it. And we're fucking Team Kev over here. So, you know, you heard it here first. Anyway, Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige. I rewatched this just like an hour before I started recording. Who gave Dan any of those rounds? I gotta be honest. Like they were all close, but two of the judges gave Dan I probably the first round. It was one I think one of the first two. Either way, it was four rounds to one by two of the judges, and the other judge had it like two to three, um, you know, three in favor of Calvin, two two for Dan. And I just like I looked at that and I was like, but how though? And and hear me out because the criteria is effective striking, grappling, aggression octagon control in that order so if they don't get to grappling striking is all that matters and i think calvin outstruck him every round so i just don't know what's going on here dude and at one point they they, they threw out a stat and i don't know if any more was stuffed um denny was 0 for 7 on takedowns so maybe it was 0 for 8 by the end of the fight i don't know if he attempted another but uh my dude got worked uh, he really did so uh shouts to calvin cater uh Shouts to all his haters as well. Uh, anyone who's uh, not ready to to call this man a, a contender, um, 
You you can eat humble pie next time he fights. He was fucking piecing the beat up in that third round. I don't give a fuck, dude. Calvin Cater would be a champion if he fucking had another two rounds. Not that that wasn't even a championship. <laughs> I'm so stupid. I mean, I knew it wasn't, obviously. But I'm just saying he would have then got the opportunity. I don't know. Fuck me anyway. But let's let's talk about these fights last night. I gotta say, um, and there were, there were some fun prelims that uh, are probably worth mentioning. But again, for time, just gonna go with the main card. And uh, I didn't even realize until like recently on MMA Twitter that there's a whole stigma about watching the prelims or not. Like there's some people that are like, no, I don't watch the prelims. Like it's a fucking like you're better than than the prelim fighters or something. Like what? They're free, dude. And they're good fights. Like, I just don't understand it. Uh, I So I always tune in for every single fight. Uh, especially, and I, I, I've said this before, it goes back to my first time watching a UFC event live in the arena. Um, my buddy Leo and I, with our girls, we went to see uh, uh, 199 at the Forum. And the first fight of the night was uh, Marco Polo Reyes versus Dong Young Kim. And they fucking went to war, and it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. And that fucking... I was like one of we were you know four out of like 100 people in the arena at that time i was like so you mean to tell me there's and it was i think they said the car was sold out i was like you mean to tell me there's 15,000 other motherfuckers who paid to see all these fights and they didn't come for all of them like are you kidding me i just i just couldn't believe it and i still can't believe it i'm like who are you who raised you like, how can you afford to not fucking go to all the fights? Like, and there are people on the like deck just like smoking cigars and shit. I'm like, bro, there's fights going on, dude. Uh, but anyway, uh, opening up this card was Oscar Askarov versus Alexandre Pantoja. And uh, look, Oscar Askarov, it's not his fault because he can't control the judging unless there's some conspiracy with that. You know, look into it. But I feel like this is this is two robberies he's been a part of now. And I could be biased. I had Pantoja winning. I didn't see anyone else in the timeline really say that. So maybe I'm fucking crazy. I mean I am fucking crazy. But uh I, I was I was really surprised with, with the with the result. And I and I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna let this narrative die. Brandon Moreno beat that ass as well. He should have got the decision against Oscar Oscarov. So now Oscar Oscarov is on the on the right side of a wrong decision and I'm like, why? But uh in in the in the middle of the fight, John Anik reminded us that he's uh, partially deaf and I was like, shit, got to feel bad for him. But moving on, uh Ariane Lipsky fucking reaped a girl's knee, fucking bent that leg backwards. Shout out to, uh, what is it, Dusty Andrews, the fight expert, for making that lip ski meme where they're all on jet skis and she's like, look like she's on a jet ski. That was funny as shit to me. But, uh, man, I really I really enjoyed this fight. Uh, she did not give a fuck who Lu- Luana Carolina was. She didn't give a fuck about her family. She's like, I don't care if you don't walk after this. Give me that knee! And just took it home with her. Absolutely. Mac had a really funny tweet. Posted a picture of a Barbie without a fucking leg. It was like, this is Luana Carolina. Oh my god. Fucking Twitter is undefeated. 
Uh, moving on to one of the best fights of all time, not of all time, but one of the best fights this year, like three round fights. Ha- uh, Rafael, I was going to say Rafael, but he's Russian. Or sorry, Kyrgyzstanian. I don't know what the pr- proper uh, word is, but Rafael Fiziev versus Mark Diakese. Wow, this was fucking incredible. Rafael Fiziev gives no fucks about anybody. Did some Matrix shit uh, when Mark Diakese threw a head kick just to just to dodge it. He didn't have to. He could have blocked. He could have ducked. He was like, I'm going to do some Matrix shit because I can. And and kudos to Diakese for staying in the fight, really. I mean, he he wasn't, uh, he didn't take a back step. Uh, he didn't quit. He didn't look for a way out. He just uh, got out class in every facet, really. So I really, and I'm a big fan of, of Mark as well. So um, that's no disrespect. And um, I really want him to to bounce back from this. You know, relapse so you bounce back. Uh, why did that comparison get made last time, uh, last episode? I just want to say, like, what was that even about? But uh, Rafael Fiziev is an animal, and I can't fucking wait. And he's a delight, dude. His post-fight interview was amazing. And the fact that he, like, tr- I always love when people have to get the um, question from, from the... Uh, from the announcer or the interviewer or whatever translated and then they try and answer in English. I'm like, man, if you had to get translated, like just answer in your own language. Cause then the translator gets paid. Like I was just, he was like, okay, hi guys. Thank you uh, for the fight. And, and then it starts like back to his native language. And I was like, yeah, just, just stay with that. But, but I also, I loved it. So, so I hope he like, <laughs> I was having this question with Eric Sama uh, shouts to that guy. And I was like, uh, I think Eric said, yeah, maybe when he learns English, he'll be a star. Like, not in a bad way. You're just saying, like, can you imagine, like, the potential, like, Khabib's potential? And I was like, yeah, dude, but at the same time, this is lovely. Like, with him having just, like, a few words and then being like, ah, oh, fuck it, and then back to his regular language. I love that shit. Uh, so, love that fight. Definitely rewatch that if you missed it. And, uh, wow, Jack Hermanson. Like, fucking wow. I gotta say, um... Again, Chess the Split Decision Podcast, I was listening to their breakdown of this fight, and they were saying basically, like, Kelvin is really hard to submit, and uh, that's Hermanson's really bread and butter. Kelvin is really good boxing, and uh, and he's a, you know, he was a college wrestler as well. Like, what's Hermanson going to do? And I was like, yeah, I, I agree with that. But uh, Hermanson didn't give a fuck about that. He uh, went for a takedown. Kevin reversed it, and then uh, Jack Hermanson was like, I but check out this Ashigarami though, and like wrapped up the heel hook. Oh my god, so sick! And I knew Kelvin when he came out with that fucking hair. I mean, this is so like. I mean, obviously, someone with that hairstyle could win. It's not like whatever, but for some reason, when they showed him in the fucking uh, in the locker room shadow boxing with that fucking emo hair, I was like, this does not bode well, and I don't know why. I really don't. I really don't know why someone with a ridiculous hairstyle never fucking wins. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but it never happens. That's not true. I mean, well, I was going to say Sean O'Malley with the rainbow, but I like that shit. But some people thought it was ridiculous. And, you know, it's even better when someone with rainbow hair beats you because then you fucking, that's embarrassing as shit. So maybe keep doing it. Like, if honestly, if I was Jack Hermanson and I lost to that hair, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Not literally, but like I wouldn't be able to forgive myself for not beating a guy with that fucking hair. <sighs> and now we get to the main event. And here's the thing, you guys. I gotta stop saying here's the thing because this is all the thing. But the thing is, I'm a massive Joseph Benavides fan. And um, 
I never uh, ran with the narrative that he did about the Clash of Heads in their first one. Uh, I mean, it seemed to affect him a little bit, but it wasn't like things weren't going his way already. It just, you know, it was one of those things. And everyone is on Figueredo's nuts. And I, here's who I am. A contrarian. I hate when people are just like bandwagoning some guy who gets a few finishes. And so I hate that guy always. Especially when this motherfucker missed weight. I hate when people miss weight. Even though I don't think uh, weight cutting is as good for, for, you know, the human body. Uh, I think that practice needs to be eliminated from the sport but it's the fucking rules and when you break a rule uh i hate you so he fucking missed weight the last time posted a picture with a fucking pizza like he was some like little gremlin and like i just i couldn't get behind him but the way he dominated joseph Benet, he beat him worse you know this time around joseph had no success um, I'm pretty sure, according to you know the pre-fight package, they said that all three judges gave the first round to Joseph in their last fight. I, if I remember correctly, even in my bias, I think I gave it to Figueredo. Um, Joseph just was like swinging wild, and I was like, oh boy. But I, I gotta say though, even even still, even me saying that, I thought he looked better this time. Not obviously the result. Obviously, like I said, Figueredo had. Hit, an even better performance, but that's why it's because Joey wasn't as wild. He was actually catching Figueredo on some of the boxing exchanges, but Figueredo just had a great chin and was landing better shots and then grappled the fuck out of him. He put him to sleep so fast, man, so vicious. And the ref was like, Hey man, are you okay? No, he's not okay. He's asleep. Like Mark Goddard was fucking sleeping. And there's a lot of, there's like, there seems to be like a polarizing uh, people seem to be divided on Mark Goddard. There's some people that only focus on his mistakes and uh, are like, he's a terrible ref. And there's a lot of people that are like, you know, oh, he's he's been the best ref in the UK for years. He's been around for, for you know, 15, 20 years, been the game, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm in the middle where I'm like, yeah, he is one of the best, but also has a fair amount of mistakes and deserves to be called out for those mistakes. So where do we land? I don't know. But Mark Goddard, you fucked up. You let Joey B lose some brain cells. I was fucking worried. Like re stuff like that is the reason why Megan O'Leary doesn't watch his fights live. Like you don't want to see the person you love in that kind of danger. Like you just can't. So kudos to Figueredo. And I will say, um, I said this to the boys in the group chat. I said, I'm looking forward to giving him the same treatment as John Jones, where I know he's the best in the division, uh, um, but I'm just always going to root for his demise. I just I just will. And that's that's where we're at, dude. That is where we're fucking at. So, um, I, But I was going to say, I, I will say that uh, seeing him put the belt, get the, the belt put around his waist was like, I think almost in tears. I love a good cry. It clearly meant, you know, he's like changing his stars. Um, freelance goon said he's a cosmetologist. I mean, that's wild. I love cosmetology. <laughs> no, for real, but I, I love Figueredo doing that. I just don't love him yet. I think I'm going to wait until MMA Twitter, uh, calms the fuck down. And then I'm going to, I'm going to be real late to this bandwagon. Or I'm not, you know, fuck it. And that is where we're at with these fights. So let me take a quick break 
and we'll get into the photo. And we're back. So happy to be doing another forum. This is uh, my favorite part of the show. It's why I do this show, uh, to build a community, and that's what this uh, segment does. It is uh, the time of the show where I put my ego aside, and I get to hear from the lovely people of Twitter. And we It's a, it's a meeting of the minds, really. It's uh, sharing all these uh, uh, wonderful thoughts and opinions from everybody, and uh, we'll kind of have a little back and forth. So without further ado... Um, the first uh, voice question comes from my man, Smokey J. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It is Smokey J here from fucking Australia. Uh, like an absolute casual man, I slept through the entire prelims and tuned in just in time for the main event. Definitely want to go back and catch some of those prelims. Well, fucking all of them. I uh, want to see how Sergei Spivak went in the opener. I uh, fucking like that, dude. Uh, the main card was sweet. That fucking fizzé of dude, man, that was a fucking savage performance. That dude has an all-round skill set and is going to be a problem for that division. I can't wait to see what that dude does next. Uh, fucking really impressive performance. Uh, Figgy put on a good performance as well, a fucking dominant performance for the belt. My question for you is, uh, especially with the new Spotify deal, man, how long do you see Joe Rogan sticking around for? Uh, he was missing from the last pay-per-view event as well. Uh, that's all. Bye. Very interesting question, Smokey J, and thank you, as always, for sending in these amazing questions, complete with a bong rip on every one. Minimum one bonger. It's so necessary for this show. And... Uh, so even before uh, COVID, Joe Rogan said that he was wanting to do less. You know, he stopped doing the fight nights. He only was doing the pay-per-views. And then eventually that became to, uh, you know, only doing the North American pay-per-views, which I think was very important to, you know, for showcasing all the wonderful broadcasting talent that they have available to them, mostly in the forms of former fighters. Uh, Paul Felder and Bisping are killing it. You know, Daniel Cormier, obviously, as always, um, I'm liking Dominic Cruz less, but I'm just such a fan of his as a fighter that I feel like I always have to stick up for him when, when like everyone on the timeline is like just trashing him. I'm like, guys, he's not that bad. He's just a bit of an asshole to the other commentators when they disagree with him. I suppose, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to say what I want to say. But um, yeah, as far as Joe Rogan goes, uh, he'll always be a staple, but he is a bit of a fucking meme at this point. With, uh, you know, the, he's hurt after a light jab. Just like, you know, but the, dude, hyperbole is one of the best parts about being an MMA fan. I mean, if I, if we didn't have a narrative of like, that guy's done after every loss, we wouldn't have amazing comeback fights, which is really just bouncing back after a loss. Um, but uh, I digress a bit, you know, in terms of him landing the Spotify deal, you know, groundbreaking for for podcast no, i mean not really i mean he's already you know forbes made a list of the top paid podcasts and he was like number two there was a he was number one and number two was qu qu quite a bit less than him it was there was a pretty far gap you know between uh, him and the and the rest of the of the podcasters so uh in that regard i mean i i think it's just something he always wants to do and uh i don't see 
him stepping away too much, more so than he already has. I think he's going to continue to do North American pay-per-views, which uh, honestly, now that they've gotten a lot of these international fights out of the way, um, I don't know how many of the uh, international fights will be pay-per-views. I mean, typically they have a few a year. It's like, I think there's usually about 12 pay-per-views a year, one a month. And let's say on the average, like nine of them are in America or North America, you know, occasionally in Canada or Mexico City, you know, if you will. But uh, with the addition of Fight Island, those fucking expenses are crazy. Um, and I should really stop saying Fight Island because it's just Yas Island and it's just it's, it's a fucking part of Abu Dhabi. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So, um like, on the one hand, I say, you know, oh, I think Joe, we're, we're probably going to get Joe for, you know, all those North American pay-per-views moving forward. But then, again, how many of the, like, what I was going to say, my initial prediction is that most of the Fight Night cards are going to be over there and they're just going to do more pay-per-views in the U.S. Um, but I honestly don't know that. Because the thing is, we well, honestly don't know how long this, this pandemic will last. We've got motherfuckers not wearing their masks still. Like, it's a fucking attack on your masculinity, you weak fuck. we already got COVID deniers when people are on ventilators. You know, human beings are the worst. And uh, this shit is going to last for a long time. So, how much Joe Rogan? I don't know. Joe Rogan's a fucking denier as well. I mean, he had fucking Bill Burr on his podcast. And he was like, oh... Why am I wearing masks? Why are we all still wearing masks? You fucking... Oh, I hate Joe Rogan sometimes. Like, he's a, he's a treasure. And uh, I love a lot of the stuff he's done. But sometimes he's the fucking worst. And so, to answer your question, Smokey J, if I had to make a prediction, two years. We get two years more of Joe. I think when he stops looking like a fucking... like. He looked good for his age right now. Is what I'm saying. Like when he stops looking good for his age, I think he's a little vain. I think he's gonna say, "Oh, I'm tired." You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe it'll be true. Who knows? Next question is from my good friend, Mixta. Uh oh! Didn't mean to barge in on you here, Juice. It's Mixta Man. Yeah, me from Minnesota. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on. Davidson Figueroa, yeah, that's a spicy name. I'll have you know. Um, what do you see? What's next for him? You know, that's a really uh, stacked division. Yeah, except it's not. And uh, I'm I'm curious who who's gonna fight him. You know, uh, what are the contenders you see and the matchups you see? They don't. Uh, you know, they just don't really promote this division good. So I'm just curious who you see uh, fighting next for the title. Yeah. And do you see Joseph Benavides hanging it up? This is a great question. And I'm going to combine it with another member of the Turbo Team's question because it's apropos and uh, I don't want to repeat myself and kind of overlap. Um, but uh, we were in the group chat and uh, the homie Freelance Goon had an amazing question that he posed. And he said, with the next three best flyweights in the world, either in other promotions or retired... What is the UFC going to do with an exciting flyweight champ? A tournament? Maybe go out and try to re-sign and add depth? Or will it always be a hastily thrown together division with no investment? Basically, what would you do to help flyweight? 
and I, I couldn't uh, you know agree that these I couldn't agree more that these are amazing questions uh, that need answering. And so, by the way, who he's referring to, um, freelance goon that is, is um, Horiguchi, who is uh, in Ryzen slash. I mean, they have a co co promotion idea with Bellator, though he lost his Bellator title, I believe. Um, to Horiguchi, Sahudo, who just retired, and Mighty Mouse over in one championship, obviously. And so, um, this is why, like, this, the flyweight division in general, we're talking about all promotions, I think makes the best case for cross promotion fights. That it needs to happen. It, there's just so much, like, not enough depth, depth to build a full division in each promotion. Like, and I was thinking about this as well. It's so hard right now because of the pandemic that I think it's going to, it's going to bring out the, a lot of the worst in a lot of promoters. Because if you have athletes in, in your roster that aren't able to fight because you aren't able to put on events and the UFC is in need of, of, of contenders for their division, you should fucking be letting your guys go and, and sign with the UFC if the UFC has shown interest. I mean, this is a time when they should, you know, come together and stop being so fucking capitalistic and, like, at each other's throats to try and find out who can make the most money with with the different promoters. They, they need to have more contenders for these guys. You know, there needs, there needs to be a fucking lineal belt that they can all go for. I, I just, I'm so like dissolution with the state of, of MMA promotion sometimes that I just I get so frustrated because we need cross-promotion fights. We need to figure out who's the best. And a guy like Figueredo does not need to be murking all these uh, 125ers in the UFC. You know, he needs to be fighting guys like Horiguchi who will test him. Fucking Demetrius Johnson who will probably choke the fuck out of him. Um, you know, or slam him on his fucking head. Sorry. Sorry, I just love Mighty Mouse. I'm not the biggest Figgy fan right now. Um, so I guess to answer Mix's question, I'll say uh, I was thinking about the roster. It's sad because people act like Figueroa is unbeatable. Okay, motherfucker has a loss in the UFC, and it's and it's to Juicy Formiga. There might be another one. I'm not sure, but I I know for a fact he fucking lost to Juicy Formiga. But I just, I was looking at Juicy Formiga's record. The 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 poor bastard is on a three fight skid, and. Um, and that sucks because you have a guy who could it's potentially beat him, but now it's probably like not the best version of himself because he did some bad stoppages. Like that, those leg kicks from Alex Perez were nasty. And I was thinking about Alex Perez. I was like, oh fuck, Alex Perez is great. Um, and then and then uh, I remembered that uh, Benavidez, or sorry, Figueredo TKO'd Alex Perez, or maybe it was Benavidez, maybe it was both. Um, flywood is so shallow, like that's a problem <laughs> that I can't remember, you know. Because I'm usually good at this stuff. Like, ultimately, we have a champion who should want to be active. Now, he also probably wants to capitalize on on uh, his championship and, and want the most money. And this is why I think whenever, whenever a, f uh, a fighter becomes champion and they immediately start calling for money fights, people kind of like shit on them. And I think that's fair to an extent, but it's a it's a there's a case to be made for the fighter pay is so bad that they have to take advantage of the bell because the bell is what gives you the most financial opportunity. You get more money for title fights, and you have the possibility to make pay per view points. And so they have to. There's a short window, even if you become a long a long reigning champion. You know the record is uh, eleven defenses in that division, by the way. 
you know, and Demetrius Johnson got that over the course of six years. Like, that's a relatively short window. And, you know, statistically, he's going to lose at some point. They got to capitalize on that. So he's not making the dick as a contender, you know. So he has to, like, give me the most money as a champion. A guy like that should be paid already. A guy who's exciting as fuck, um, has an interesting story. Uh, and I should like him, but I don't. And who finishes people, he should be making bank. And he should be running through these fucking five-week contenders. He should be the next Demetrius Johnson, really. He should be fucking holding court in that division. He should be uh, making Cejudo shit his pants on his couch watching these fights. Um, but he's not paid enough. And uh, it, it just it makes me sad a little bit. Um, so... My opinion, a mixed up. I would do the Alex Perez fight. He's on a nice streak. Um, I think he's ranked number five, so it's not like you know the best, but whatever. But you know, rankings didn't used to mean shit. It was like exciting fights and win streaks, and uh, he's an exciting fighter with on a nice win streak. And to answer Goon's question, I would love a tournament, but the the idea of a flyweight tournament gets thrown out so often, and the UFC is not even listening. And, and it makes me sad because like I like those things. Like when Bellator's doing it, it's great. The featherweight tournament, the welterweight tournament, like that shit is great. And uh, we need more of it. It's just uh, it's just sad. Um, I don't think they're gonna do a tournament. I I want them to, and I want the fucking cross promotion fights. Like I almost think the best thing that could happen to Figueredo if Bellator gets on his feet is for him to go to Bellator because he could uh, beat the fuck out of some people there, like Sergio Pettis, for example. Because um, I don't think they have a proper flyweight division. I think it's just bantamweight. But there's some flyweights in there, you know, fights in there that should be fighting. At fucking, um, that are fighting at 135. They should be fighting at fucking 125. They're fucking Zach Makovsky's ass who's fighting in Brave right now. Um, they need to all be fighting each other. And uh, Bellator has an uh, agreement with, with Ryzen where they do a lot of cross-promotion. I think that would just be ultimately the best thing for him. But not that I don't love him as, as UFC champion. And uh, he's, you know, probably going to be considered best flyweight in the world right now since Henry Sudo's retired. By the way, Henry Sudo's never coming back down to flyweight. That motherfucker va- willingly vacated the belt, sat out for a year uh, because he missed weight at flyweight and looked like death whenever he made it. That guy doesn't want to make weight. He made it in the Olympics already tons of times in wrestling. Uh, he knows that's a fucking tough weight uh, for him to make. He's built like stocky. So even though he's not as tall as some of the, the Bantamweights, he's as like muscly as them. Not a word. Muscular. Anyway, um... Thank you for your question, Goon. Thank you for your question, Mick. Um, I thought it was a great kind of thing to read together because, you know, you can't run with the Turbo Team unless you are part of the Turbo Team. Love you guys. Next uh, question is from the homie Seth. Hey, Juicy Baby. It's MMA Catfish. So what do you see next for Kelvin Gastelum? Yes, he has three losses in a row. All the top flight competition. I ain't hearing none of that noise that Till's overrated. He's a good fighter. I personally would like to see Kelvin have a nice, easy fight. Get his groove back. Get a W. I think he deserves it. I did see it floated that he and Woodley fight. Both on a loss. That does make sense. I worry that Woodley finally shows up motivated. And Kelvin catches another L. 
But dude did just gas out on national TV against some like small town school teacher in the Titan games. So you know what? Maybe that is the easy fight for Kelvin. Let's do it. <laughs> God damn, you're salty. That uh, Titan gazing was filmed back in January. Who knows what Tyron was doing? Um, I think he was like off the couch. Because he was still licking his wounds from that Kamaru Usman loss. I'm also just making shit up. Who knows what, what the real story was. But he talked about it a little bit in an aerial interview. Uh, and I haven't watched it because uh, I could give a fuck about Titan Games. Personally. But anyway, great question. Kelvin versus Woodley is the fight to make. Um, Kel- they fought at 170. Well, I think they fought at 180, actually. It was when they were both welterweights. Um, it was a catchweight because Kelvin missed weight badly. And in my opinion, the only, the only thing that uh, I, I would be interested in seeing Tyron do would be a move up to middleweight um, just to kind of revitalize his career a little bit. And uh, I don't want to see Kelvin go back down to 170 because he never made the fucking weight. Um, so... I think absolutely it's the fight to make. It was a split decision. One of those judges thought Kelvin won. It's what ultimately got Tyron his title shot. A fucking that could have changed Kelvin's life. Of course, it would have been not. He would have missed weight for the fucking title fight and and never got a chance to to realize the dream. But um, yeah, I think Kelvin should stay at one eighty five. Tyron should move up, and that's the fucking fight. That's the seed. That's the fucking seed. Um, so overused meme in MMA Twitter, but it's so funny. All right. Let's hear from my man, Harry Andrew. Hi, Juice. It's Harry Andrew. Um, some great fights last night. First time leaving a message in a pod in a long time. I've got one question and one Welsh phrase for you to guess. It's a return of the Welsh words. First question is I mean has there ever been a more unnecessary rematch in Studio C? I mean like the first fight with Benavides like and Figueredo was pretty conclusive and the punishment Benavides took in the second fight it just seems so unnecessary. Thanks. Wonderful question Harry thank you for asking it and it's it's difficult to answer because um, I don't actually think this was pointless. Although I will say um, the the main point for it was that Figueredo missed weight, so he made his own fucking bed, and they um, made him lie in it. So it was just out of respect to Joseph Benavides that he was given the opportunity again. Um, I personally think that um, it should have been somebody else in there, you know, or, or you know, instead of Joseph, I mean, not instead of Figueredo. Even though I hate him, he still uh, deserved the chance and obviously he won. So there's that. Um, has there ever been a more pointless rematch? I'll give you one. Fucking Tyron Woodley versus Wonderboy. Um, that was a fucking controversial draw the first time, uh, fucking boring fight the second time, didn't want to see it, even though I'm a massive Wonderboy fan, I was like, let this man get some more wins together, and not have to worry about fucking Tyron Woodley's big right hand, 
and they had the most boring fight of all time. Well, not of all time, but pretty boring. Um, thank you for this. I'm so excited for the next one, the Welsh word. I had a lovely conversation with Harry over FaceTime um, just a few days ago. I said, bring back the fucking Welsh words. I want to learn more Welsh. Um, here we go. Juice, the Welsh phrase I have for you is... Felrek mwyn pocham. Felrek mwyn pocham. Felric Moon Potcham. Felric Moon Potcham. It's very hard to answer. Felric Moon Potcham. I'm going to say it's some sort of insult. Um, or it might be some sort of like idiom, like a, you know, idle hands do the devil's work, like that sort of thing. Um, like Felric Moonpot Jam, you know what they say? Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, other than that, I think Felric Moonpot Jam and just like probably like get your fucking hands off my girlfriend or something. What do you think that phrase means? I've just told you. Okay. Oh no. Oh no, something happened. Something's wrong. <laughs> oh no, the world will never know. Harry, you've got to tell us. Uh, something happened to the audio. Don't know. I don't listen to these prior. Um, the Welsh words, that is, because uh, the answer is given in the in the clip. And so I've, I've just got to pause it and just figure it out. Uh, so I don't want to spoil the answer. Uh, something happened to the audio. Literally have no idea. Ah, Harry, let us know. Um, thank you for the question, man. Always great to hear from you. I just dropped the dialogue completely. Um, but if you haven't uh, listened to the show before, whenever Harry sends in a question, I always answer it in RP. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Uh, sometimes you got to flex on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just kidding. Um, all right, let's dive into the Twitter forum. First question is from a man, Joe Bloggs, at JoeBlogs74. He says, who is your favorite band or artist from the UK from any era? Man, I love this question. So it's going to be a cheesy answer, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably give a few. But um, a fucking, uh, fucking the Beatles. And I was, I, I've been having this conversation with um, Chels Diesel, um, and I've been trying to get her to fucking come to the dark side, because um, I've been, I've been talking to her about like just life in general, and because uh, we're both from LA. Turns out we have basically the same music taste, except the Beatles. Like she doesn't like the Beatles. I'm like, who the fuck raised you? You don't like the Beatles? Just kidding. But I was like, damn. And the, her point is, and it's a valid point, is that you never like. It's not like the vibe when you want to like just chill and listen to music. And like, oh, let's pop on the Beatles. But it it should be. <laughs> I don't know. The Beatles are fucking like they change the landscape of pop music. Epic. Um, like whenever someone says Beatles are Stones, I feel like anyone that says Stones is just trying to be a contrarian. Like, fuck you. The Beatles are fucking the best of all time. Watch people are going to tweet me like, the Rolling Stones are better. Hey, fuck you. I'm um, just kidding. But, uh, man, it's got to be the Beatles. But also, um, I happen to like Gary Barlow. I know he was part of a, a like a boy band, so that's like a bit of a, like a, I don't know, unpopular opinion. But that song, 
Back for Good, fucking, oh, I think the band's called Take That, which is a fucking stupid name for a band, by the way. Um, but uh, I used it for an intro on the podcast after the uh, the first the first card after the pandemic hiatus, because I was like, I want him back for good. Yeah, that's a he's a really good option as well. Um, I'm trying to think of someone else I fucking love because I I do love. No, because all that's coming to mind is like Irish artists, and that's obviously not the UK. Okay, uh, next is from MMA Visual. He says. If you could grant a big contract to only one fighter from each division and the rest would have to fight for theirs in a Royal Rumble, you're a sadistic fuck, by the way. He says, who would you pick from all weights and female and male to be able to watch for sure and risk never seeing the rest again? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so he's used like a gif of like or like a little video clip of Israel Adesanya like scratching his chin. <laughs> He always uses a video clip or, or a, a meme. Man, so if I could pick anyone from each division to get a con... Wow, this is fucking sadistic. So Daniel Cormier would be my... Uh, or sorry, Stipe would be my choice simply because um, I think Daniel Cormier um, should retire after this uh, fight with Stipe. So I'm not, not even counting that. Um, I'm counting, let's say DC wins, rides off into the sunset. Stipe should be the one to to get the big contract and not have to fucking fight on a heavyweight Royal Rumble for fuck's sake. Um a light heavyweight. Um I would choose Anthony Smith. Probably. Uh, I just love Anthony Smith. And then could John Jones could beat the fuck out of the rest of them if he's even coming back. You know, who knows? Middleweight, obviously Israel is something that's not even a fucking case. Obviously. Um and then welterweight i think i would choose fucking muslim salikov or james Krause probably because it would be fun as fuck to see muslim salikov fucking go to war against some of these motherfuckers and um i like james cross a lot uh lightweight gotta go with fucking tony ferguson featherweight um definitely max bantamweight well, men's bantamweight, I would say Chito Vera. Love fucking Chito Vera. I'm basically just picking my favorites right now. I mean, you know, with a little bit of, uh, you know, asterisks because there are some favorites that are, I'm not picking. Um, obviously, men's, or so that was men's, women's bantamweight. Um, I would I would pick Amanda Nunes and then women's featherweight, Amanda Nunes as well. Um, women's flyweight. Roxanne Montefiore. I mean, what's that? What is that even a fucking guess? You you knew I would say that. Um, men's flyweight, I would pick. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a fucking curveball. Um, Jose Shorty Torres, love that guy. And um, women's strawweight, obviously Rose. I say obvious because it's obvious to me. I fucking I'm a big Rose fan. And uh, if you listen to pockets for a long time, you would know that. So thank you, MMA Visual. You're the man. The the artist formerly known as MMA Mental. <laughs> MMA Visual. Love this guy. Uh, oh, Shane Tara is back in the forum. Nice. Uh, I had to mute this thread because it got a little crazy in my mentions. And so I'm reading some of these for the first time. He said, what is a better indicator of a legendary chin? The ability to absorb thousands of shots 
uh, over years and not being knocked down or out or the ability to absorb hundreds of bombs and not being down or out. You can say a bit of both this is hypothetical. Huh. I guess I would say the ability to absorb hundreds of bombs because, yeah, like volume and accumulation are, are something that wears on your chin, quote unquote, but the ones that hit you flush, like those big bombs and they, and they don't go, go out, I fucking, I'm always like, whoa, dude, like super impressed. So um, love that question. And I would say, yeah, the the ability to absorb hundreds of bombs, you know, particularly like like Joseph, uh, not Joseph. What am I saying? Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson, like the the fact that they weren't out. I mean, obviously he got Gaethje got the TKO or KO or whatever at the end. But I think if, if memory serves, it was a standing TKO. Like it was kind of a, a interesting finish. Obviously it was a it was a good finish, but um, yeah, I would say I would say that. Just hundreds of bombs without being knocked down or out. Like, case in point, I said in the repo, uh, the recap, fucking Munir Lazez versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I was like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> Joe Bloggs. Next question from Joe Bloggs says, What did you think of Kelvin's ponytail to hinder his performance? Obviously. Uh I'm a big I'm a big believer in like like they say, the clothes make the man. I'm not a believer in that necessarily, but putting on a certain certain outfit or whatever does give you a certain mental frame of mind that uh, is important. Like fighting is, they say, 90% mental. And I would not feel good if I had that fucking hair. I, let me tell you right now. And I... Um, like I grew my hair out to like Jesus length, like past my shoulders... And I fucking miss it all the time. And I did some some weird stuff with that hair. I did so many legendary man buns. I did so many ponytails. Mostly it was like a low bun, you know. Um, I really wanted to do fucking cornrows with it. I really did. Um, I actually had cornrows once in high school. Um, my friend that did hair, she was like, let me do your braids. Let me do your braids. And I was like, okay. And then I cheated like half of them. And my all my parents were like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so I missed that but yeah things like that matter like it's a bit of a sort of like a cliche thing to kind of being like oh now the hair I'm picking against him because obviously that doesn't make a huge difference but like I said it it does affect your mental game uh, maybe that was uh, some some sort of confidence for him maybe he liked it I don't know um but I think he was rightly roasted for that. I mean, that that hair was terrible. Oh, I can't wait for this next question. So this next question is from Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. He says, please tell me five redeemable things about MMA Twitter. I need to hear something. And you know what, Dave? I'm going to give you more than five things. I'm going to give you a lot of things because here's why. First off, I want to I want to sing a little song for you, Dave. This is just for Dave. I mean, obviously, it's for everyone listening, but um, I thought of doing this uh, intro for the podcast, and then I kind of remembered of me saying uh, I was going to go back to just only using the fucking OG one. I always call it that, the regular fighting with myself one, and because um, I just thought this was a little too corny for an intro, but uh, it's not 
too corny for me to, to use it right now to answer your question. This is to the tune, because I'm just going to do acapella. This is to the tune of uh, fucking Like Real People Do from Hosier, if you haven't heard. Hosier, by the way, the GOAT. I'm not fielding questions on that. The greatest of all time at what? I don't know, but he's the GOAT of something. He's I fucking love Hosier. Definite man crush. And um, this song, Like Real People Do, is one of the best songs of all time, in my opinion. I had a thought when Joey went sleeping about the way people would react. I did not look, I know what I'm seeing. They do not know how to use some tact. I will not ask them where they came from. I will not ask, and neither should you. Just simply add them all to your mute list until they can act like real people do. So Dave, it goes back to what I said before on one of your previous questions. Consider the source. When you think about all these like nasty, mindless trolls on Twitter, uh, I can only assume that this was sort of, um, you know, uh, inspired by uh, a lot of the fucking dregs of the earth, the fucking pieces of shit that were commenting under Megan Levy's tweet with pictures of Joey getting choked out or saying find a real man or saying all this other stupid shit. These motherfuckers are, first of all, teenagers hiding behind a fake Avi and they cannot be taken seriously whatsoever uh, mute and, and, and shut it out of your life. You don't need that. Um, they, I love Dave because he always wants to see the good in everybody, but sometimes Dave, there isn't, and you don't like that sort of thing is, 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 can, can really cloud your, uh, mental health. And it's not, it's not worth entertaining. It's like, not like I see some just like pieces of shit and I'm just like, move on. Like you're not even worth investing any time. And it took a long time to realize that. So, um, but in terms of uh, uh, five things, I, I wanted to say some good things about my Twitter right now because I just talked about how the, all the fucking um, pieces of shit are. But let me tell you this. I joined Twitter in 2016. Uh, well, technically, uh, for the first time in 2009, I think I might have like 10 followers on that account. I don't even know where it is, if it even exists. Um, I, I said some, I was, I just joined for like comedy at that time and just like to follow like the actors that I liked when I was in, um, you know, acting school. And then um, I never went on there because I didn't have any fucking followers. <laughs> like I was just tweeting at nobody. And eventually I was like, you know what? Fuck this app. Um, so I let that account die. And I, I joined it for the first time in 2016 to keep up with the fighters and um, and some some comedy and, and, and musicians and stuff like that. And uh, I followed, I found some, some people that actually were from my school that I knew in person. I thought we were, you know, somewhat close. And let me tell you, they never followed me back like one or two did but like for the most part like the majority of the pe real people i know that are supposed to be like my homies from school never followed me back and you know what fuck them because when i started this podcast in 2019 i knew twitter would be have to be a huge aspect of it um and so i i hopped on the follow train and within like minutes I was connecting with some with some real motherfuckers who are were total strangers. Um, I've told the story a few times, but the reusable shoe. I love this fucking account. The guy's awesome, and uh, I was super high when I joined the follow train the first time. This is the night of uh, Gaethje Barboza, the Philadelphia card. 
uh, March 20, March 30th, maybe it was late March. I think it was March 30th. Um, 2019, and I looked at his bio. <laughs> his bio just says, "Bro, I'm a shoe," and I started laughing for like five minutes straight. And uh, the guy has some cool, some cool tweets as well. He's a funny guy. He's a really nice guy. Um, and it was just like moments like that. So in terms of tangible things, I can tell you, first of all, it's a good platform to promote your work. You know, people love you, Dave Fretz. They love your work. You made amazing, uh, logos for my podcast that I, uh, use for my merch that, uh, people are now just starting to receive and, and it's bringing them joy, bringing me joy. Um, you are awesome. Uh, so you're a redeemable part of him and Twitter. Um, Getting to, to, to follow the lives of, of athletes that we, we cherish and, and we watch every day, I think is important. Like MMA Twitter isn't just about the fucking fans that are, are chatting our shit. It's also about the, the fighters. Um, and uh, it's just a great platform for connecting. So while I can't uh, say all these like redeemable things, uh, I think you got to focus on the good. You know, because uh, like, let me tell you, there's sometimes where I want to delete this shit. Like I have 5,000, this is not flexing. This is, I'm using this to make a point. I have 5,000 plus meaningless Twitter followers. And I say meaningless because the ones listening to this right now are the real ones. Because anyone that follows a podcast account doesn't listen. Like, I don't know who fucking raised you. Like, what you're fucking thinking that you would want to just, like, follow a podcast account. Like, my last episode, and I'm, I'm being real here. This is, like, when keeping it real goes wrong almost. My last episode did fucking 145 downloads. And the 145 people that listened, that listened, that listened you are the real motherfuckers. And the 5,000 plus else are fucking sheep that are just following the herd of someone who made a funny tweet. One out of every 10 tweets. Like... I'm not even that funny on Twitter. I'm I'm funny. <laughs> Why am I doing an accent right now? I'm not even funny on Twitter. I'm funny on the podcast. So fuck them. Literally fuck them. And go follow Dave Fretz if you haven't already. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow Dave Fretz, like I don't know what to do. Just follow him. He's the man. Um, <laughs> next question is for MMA Catfish. He says, post fight retirements, do you ever believe them? I don't. Emotions are high, and they're on an adrenaline dump, too. Now, the next week, if you retire, maybe I buy it. But if they're still in the USADA pool, they are not retired. Drop out and force yourself into a mandatory six-month wait. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where um, this is a good point. Post fight retirements, generally, like if they retire in the cage, it's like you said, emotions are high, adrenaline, all that good stuff. And it, they're not in the right uh, frame of mind to make that decision. And so that, that's why Alexander Gustafson has retired like five times. But, you know, I got to believe if, if a fighter goes into, um, goes into a fight uh, and kind of puts, puts it on themselves, like if I don't lose, I'll retire. Or if, if I don't win, I'll retire. If I lose, I'll retire. Um, and, and then they say that, then I believe it. Because you already had that thought, you know when before the adrenaline etc if that makes sense so you know it's it's case by case uh i'm a catfish but it is what it is um personally i think all mma retirements should be taken with a grain of salt it's not just post fight ones like mma retirements mean nothing to me because these uh men and women dedicate so much of their life to a sport to get not very much out of it financially 
And the ones that don't set themselves up right, they say, you know what, it's time for me to retire. I got to spend time with my kids. I got to And then they they don't find anything that they can do to make money. And so they have to go back and make money. And sometimes it's it's not just that. Sometimes it's about the athletic itch and you know wanting to prove themselves. But like that whole fucking wanting to prove yourself is the biggest fucking like lie that uh, promoters use against them. Like. <laughs> Everyone that says like I'm fighting to be the best in the world, guess what? There's only one best in the world. And if you want to uh, um, broaden it a little bit uh, as being like the best in particular weight class, then there's only ten best in the worlds, or or however many weight classes there are at any given time, depending on what you know gender you are. Like, dude, fight for money. Don't fight to be the best in the world because then they'll use it against you. That's my personal opinion. Uh, this next question um, is from Joe Blog seventy four. I feel like I have to read in his dialect a little bit. It's like is Dana taking the piss, saying Sterling is the number one contender, and he's up there. What the fuck? Um, I'm gonna drop it now because that was terrible. Um, he said, "My question is, do you think it's time for Dana to step down and retire?" Um, <laughs> so I kind of addressed the first part because I, I think that's a that's a fair talking point. Um, Dana doing that, um, I gotta agree with. Chelsea, I gotta agree with MMA Egypt. Uh, it's nothing short of racism. Until I uh, can see otherwise, it, it's Dana being racist because Sterling is the absolute number one contender. He should have been fighting for the belt already. And the fact that he submitted Corey Sanhagen with the quickness means he's the fucking absolute number one contender. There's no fucking doubt in my mind he should be fighting for the belt. And for him saying he's up there. I'll say this. I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. The only other thing that it could be besides racism is money. They could already be in negotiations and they could already be asking for more money. And so this could be a power play from Dana being like, oh, well, you know, there are other guys. There isn't really, Dana. I mean, there are uh, a fucking law. I mean, Bantamweight is one of the most stacked divisions. There is obviously a long line of contenders willing to be like, yeah, I'll fight for the belt. That doesn't mean they're the rightful number one contenders and that he's up there. You can stick something up there, Dana. I'll fucking destroy you. Um, to answer your question, though, uh, the UFC would be a different promotion without Dana White. And while sometimes he does some fucking crazy things, I don't know who else is the right guy for the job. Because on the other hand, you have Scott Coker, who is like, uh, widely regarded as 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 being like the best guy that for for the fighters like no no bad things have ever been said about Scott Coker from fighters. Um, on the other hand, um, he lets Bellator do some weird fucking things that shouldn't be happening. So I don't know if that's his decisions. Like the right man for the job is like I don't know. Like is it time for Dennis to sit down and retire? No. Just because who else is there, and and would we like the job that they do? Because lo- love it or hate it, what Dana does well is by be- being a face of the promotion. Because other promoters, they don't uh, put themselves in the limelight. They don't do interviews, um, which is sort of good on the one hand, but but at the same time, it's like a promoter is meant to promote. And so Dana Dana is like good at being impassioned and fired up. I feel, I feel like he's losing a bit of that passion, but clearly he has strong opinions about things like, like this. And uh, 
the UFC needs uh, a guy like that. So unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, I actually would be very, I'm just thinking about this, just kind of spitballing. I would be very interested to see what uh, Shannon Knapp would do with the UFC. Are you kidding me? Uh, does a great job at Invicta and knows how to, to manage a smaller promotion, but um, has worked with the UFC. Fucking Shannon Knapp for president, 2020. Another one from Joe Bloggs, he says, do you agree we should let uh, my younger brother Joey B, meaning Joseph Benavides, uh, go out in style with one more fight since he has given too much to the UFC? I know my bro lost easily, but I'd like to see him go out with a, with a bang and a W. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, look, it's tough because fighters are always looking for that. And it, quite frankly, may never come. It, it's sad because... That notion of going out on a bang and and just doing like one more for the fans has caused so many bad fucking things to happen to fighters. Like, I love love him to death, but Brad Pickett should not have fought Cheeto Vera. Um, like th- that sort of thing is, you know, has caused things to happen. Fucking. Michael Bisping fighting Kelvin Gastelum shouldn't should never have happened. He should have taken that loss from GSP and said, "You know what? I've had enough." Cheers to George. I'm out. Um, things like that. So no, I don't think uh, Joseph Benavidez should should find another one. He didn't look like he lost a step necessarily, but it, it's a fact that that division is filled with young dudes, man. People who have been watching him since the WEC days and have figured him out. So. That's relevant to me. The, look at the competition. So that's my personal opinion. Um, next question is from my man, Phil, the MMA dude, oh, co-host of the Split Decision podcast. I shout out their podcast earlier. Definitely check it out. Um, he says, who the hell is going to beat Figgy now? I'll tell you. It's going to be fucking Demetrius Johnson, <laughs> which obviously isn't going to happen, but... Um, I personally um, I personally don't see anyone in that division right now beating him. Um, so to answer your question in a in a generic way, because uh, obviously that Jimmy Johnson's fight isn't going to happen, who, who's going to beat him is, is a young up-and-coming guy that's either not fighting right now, just training, or is fighting on the regional circuit and, and waiting for an opportunity. It's going to be a guy like the guys I mentioned who have been watching Joseph Benavidez since the WC days who are going to be watching Figgy, it's going to be the next crop. That's what it's going to be. Like the same, the same way like Anderson Silva got knocked out by Chris Weidman. Um, you know what I mean? It's going to be someone who is watching him now and is hungry and is training and is going to, you know, when Figgy is, is looking for a reason to fight in, in five years after probably having run through everybody, um, it's going to be a guy who... Um, is hungry and will take a, a title shot on two weeks' notice for peanuts to to, to beat Figueredo, and then that's that's it. Um, next question is from Glizzy McGuire to go at Eric Sama underscore MMA. Shouts to Eric, he's so funny. I says, do you believe this performance by Figgy is enough to entice Triple C to make a return to flyweight? That's a complicated question, Glizzy, because on the one hand, 
to say a professional cage fighter is scared of anybody is a fucking retarded notion. And I don't like the R word, but it's it's really dumb. It's really ignorant and, and out of touch to say that a professional fighter is scared. Like those fucking assholes in my mentions who are saying Izzy was scared to engage with the OL. You're a piece of shit. Now, is Henry Cejudo scared of Figueredo? No. But does he want to... Like, Figueredo right now is not a name. And Henry Cejudo is barely a name. He wasn't getting the money he felt he deserved. And that's why he retired. So, um, the performance is probably, like, a high-risk, low-reward for Henry Cejudo. So, no, I don't think he comes back, especially not at that weight. Um, I think it has to be, like, a fight. Like, the only thing that's going to entice... Henry Cejudo to come back from retirement, honestly, is if Sean O'Malley um, puts like one or two more wins together and they give him a title shot and he beats whoever the champion is and fucking Henry Cejudo decides like, oh, I'm going to come at you for that fucking uh, shot you took at my girlfriend and um, I'm going to try and beat you. And then Sean O'Malley's going to knock that motherfucker out. Next question from And Then Some Podcast at ATSM underscore podcast. Definitely check these guys out. Uh, he says, in a classic power versus technical striking matchup between Izzy and Costa, who would you give the advantage in this fight? And if you think for a second I'm going to give Costa any fucking props here, put on a vest with pockets, ponte un chaleco con bolsillos, and take a hike. Haz una caminata. Fuck Costa. Fuck anyone that supports him. He's racist. He's ignorant. He supports, he vehemently supports Bolsonaro, who's a fucking terrible leader. Um, Costa is just an asshole and a meathead and a piece of shit. Uh, And he just plods forward and knocks people out because he has all the muscles. Hey, guess what? Uh, Watch Costa's fight in tough Brazil 3. And that's how the fucking Israel Adesanya fight is going to go. And that's me assuming and remembering, I think, that Costa got knocked out in that. I could be wrong. If Costa did the knocking out, uh, obviously I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the one he lost. So, um, yeah, no, Israel Asan's going to have style on him. And people are like, oh, my God, the fucking idiots who are like, oh, Izzy was uh, scared to engage with the OL. Um, you scared for him to come forward. Costa's going to come forward. That's what Izzy wants. If y'all would have came forward, Israel Adesanya would have walked him onto some shots, and he would have beat up that leg some more, and he would have gassed Yoel, and he would have beat the fuck out of him with a late fifth-round TKO. And that is what's going to happen to Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa is going to get knocked the fuck out. You heard it here first. And if Israel loses by some fucking slipping on a banana peel, I will delete my account and this podcast. Because I don't want to live in a world... I don't mean physically live. I mean metaphorically live. I don't want to exist in a space in which Paulo Costa is champion. Fuck him and anyone that supports him. Next question is from Relax at Scottish Blaze. This is how exactly do you make figgy pudding and at what holiday holiday do you usually serve it? Um, she's referencing my terribly aged tweet where I said Joey B was going to make figgy pudding, which I even put underneath it. I said this is going to age poorly before the fucking. Uh, fight even started because I knew and um, that was just me trying to fucking take shots at the figgy nut huggers uh, figgy pudding is a um, it's a holiday dish Duh, it's, it's Christmas like bring us some figgy pudding uh, bring us some figgy pudding bring us some figgy pudding um, 
So I, I've never fucking made it or had it. It's probably disgusting. Um, <laughs> but obviously it's made with figs. Figs aren't bad. Like, fig newtons are good. Um, so maybe figgy pudding would be like a fucking not healthy version of a fig newton. But I mentioned it's made with like a lot of dairy, which obviously I'm not eating right now. Um, great question, Blaze. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Um, another one from Glizzy McGuire. Uh, <laughs> fucking this name. It says, with, with three tunnel fight losses over long spinning career, what's next for Benavidez? Um, there's a, a caveat to this and there's a bit of a back and forth between him and the, uh, and then some podcasts, which I'm not going to get into. Um, obviously the, the, the number is wrong, but that's not, uh, you know, I mean, if you want to say like the, the first fight with Figueredo technically, um, was only a title fight if Joey won. So was that counting a title fight i mean obviously the belt was up for grass for him and he lost so he did lose a title in that fight but um the only legitimate title fights where all all competitors involved had a chance of winning the belt uh there was three of them in the ufc so just got to defend my boy a little bit you know what i'm saying but um no honestly i think retirement is next for him and that's not any disrespect he's he's given so much to the sport and, and not gotten anything back clearly because you have these fucking incels posting those stupid fucking memes people are already making that fucking picture of joseph benavides choking out um or sorry of getting choked out by by figueredo um people are already making that their header because you guys are fucking the worst so i don't know what's next for him i hope retirement and coaching because he's a great mma mind and uh, he was a great coach on the season of Tough. And I know they don't really coach on Tough, but um, it was just, um, you know, he he's a good coach. And I think he should stay involved in the sport and be an analyst. Um, next question from Kim Close four at or Kim Close at Kim Close underscore four. It says, Anderson Silva posted a poster on his Insta, basically him versus Pettis at middleweight. So my question is, do you want to see Anderson versus Anthony Pettis at middleweight or any other weight class? How do you see that bout going? I'm leaning Showtime right now. Uh, yeah, honestly, like people are hating on this. And it's like, why not? Like, let's have a fun fight with them. You know, I don't want to see Anderson fight a young up-and-comer. I don't. And middleweight is full of them. Uh, and I don't want to see Anthony um, fighting a fucking up-and-comer at lightweight or, or welterweight. And there are plenty of them. I'd rather see them do a catchweight of 180 or fucking Anthony go up to middleweight like... He said, I think he said he weighed 190 when he cut weight for the Wonder Boy fight. Um, I, w I would love to see that fight. It would, it would just be a fun striker's delight. Um, they're both um, got a black belt in jiu-jitsu that they don't really use unless they have to. Um, and even then they usually get like, um, I mean, Pettis anyway, gets like out-wrestled out or out-grappled. Um, and fucking, yeah, I think it would just be, it would just be great. It, w it would be probably similar to the... Um, Izzy versus Anderson Silva fight, although uh, obviously Anderson would have the reach and power advantage. Um, and uh, But Pettis would probably also bring the fight more, uh, so it wouldn't be like as much of a chess match. Maybe it'd be like Barboza versus Pettis. That was a fucking wild fight. Uh, Matai Stevenson at Matai Stevenson asks, is Figgy the scariest five foot five man to ever live? And why is the answer? Yes. Ah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, honestly, like people talk about, um, like, first of all, if you're out there calling flyweights midgets, uh, go fuck yourself. 
and that is from the heart. So yeah, when it comes to that, like for the most part, though, like if I see a a flyweight, when I think about flyweights, I'm fucking six three and two hundred seventy pounds right now. I would not be scared of most flyweights if I got into an altercation with them, simply because I'm fucking massive. Anything they can give me, I can withstand and probably fucking knee them in the face, to be honest with you. Figueredo, though, absolutely scares the shit out of me. So that's why the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, next question is from my man Cyrus King at Cyrus King from the Combat Corner Podcast. If you haven't heard his podcast, check it out. It sounds like this. He talks about ass and titties sometimes on food porn. He's funny as fuck. Anyway, I love Cyrus King. Uh, he says, if Figgy fought DJ, how do you see that fight going? Uh, I see it like the Ray Borg fight. I see uh, Demetrius Johnson fucking hitting him with the mighty whiz bar and fucking doing whatever the fuck he wants. So basically, if you're out there, obviously Figgy is exciting as fucking finishes fights and, uh, you know, whatnot. If you don't think Demetrius Johnson would beat the shit out of him, you're fucking wrong. Demetrius Johnson's out here fighting dudes that are bigger than him in one championship and winning. He's the best mixed martial artist of all time. Come on. Uh, question from Eamon at Team Flemo 2. He says, Till versus Whitaker, what are your thoughts? Whitaker didn't look himself against Izzy, in my opinion. Will Whitaker find his mojo and get the win? I'm 50-50 on this fight and I can't decide. Uh, finally got my Irish back a little bit, even though that was not, uh, it was kind of stereotypical, so I'm sorry. Um, honestly, uh, I mean, I'm going to give this uh, in the next uh, segment, but um, I got Whitaker, man. Anyone who thinks Whitaker is uh, is done is a fucking clown. Uh, and uh, Whitaker is probably the second best middleweight in the world right now. So chew on that, lads. Um Next question from Michael Hansen at Michael Hansen MC. He says, every time Kelvin loses, questions about him returning to welterweight resurface is now time to revisit 170. Uh, no, it is not. I, I already said this earlier. Um, if they were to make a 180 weight class, I think Kelvin would dominate that class, to be honest with you. Um, not that they should, but... Uh, or if they do what I want to do, which is to introduce 165 and make welterweight 175, he could probably probably have a better chance of making 175. And at that point, he could be champion. Who knows? Like I, I was listening to comments with Rhino in between sessions, and uh, all due respect to my boy Rhino, I, he predicted that Kelvin is like one or two or like two or three fights away from hanging him up. And I was like, really? I don't see that at all. But uh, um, shout out to Rhino. Um, him and I are working on a little little side project right now, a little, little side piece, um, which involves, I'm just going to say, true crime. And that's it. Um, question, next question is from Stacy Wayne at Stacy Wayne 9. Uh, she says, or maybe Stacy's guy, I don't know. I would feel bad if that were wrong. But they say, let's say, um, MMA fans are fickle. I get that. My question is, why is it so hard to get people to look at my MMA themed comic book? Um, and I responded with a gift. This is the way, because this, what you're doing right now, getting involved in conversations 
like this, this is the way. When I first started my podcast, I was jumping into everyone's mentions plugging my podcast, but I was doing it when it was relevant. People used to get uh, annoyed with me, uh, but you know, whatever. Um, I think you tagged me in your uh, in your comic book uh, or posted about your comic book one time. And to be honest with you, uh, I didn't know who you were, and uh, we weren't following each other. So I was like, well, "Why is this person tagging me? I don't get it." But doing this, in engaging, interacting, is is the way. And uh, I love comic books, so now that you've done this, I'm going to check it out, and I hope everyone does too. And that's it for the forum, ladies and gentlemen. We did it. We did another one. Um, that's it. If you want to get involved, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at FWM underscore pod. Check out the post. I do a link to the Anchor app, which uh, allows you to leave a voice question. Those are the best. You know this. And otherwise, let's now move into... Preview and picks for Till versus Whitaker. Oh, I lied. There's a couple more questions. Um, these were buried in the replies. Um, there's more additional questions from Kim Close. Um, this is the problem with doing them in the replies because I don't always see them when I'm scrolling through. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad I caught these. There's some good questions here. Um, it says, also, what Lipsky, your thought on her bout. Um, she's a monster, mate. Legs are not meant to bend that way. Also... Who would you like her to face next? I'd like to see her versus Macy Barber or KGB Lee. Uh, and Kevin, what's next for him? Or Kelvin, sorry. What's next for him and how good was that sub by Jack Hermanson? Uh, so I'll, I'll take it here. Um, thoughts on Lipsky. Great to see her do work like this. I love that. Um, that's the kind of performance she needed to really stay in the UFC because she's had not had some good luck. And obviously it's not luck. I'm just saying like she's got fucking, you know, shit cards dealt her way let's say um and uh i would love to see her versus macy barber because i think she would fucking rip macy barber's leg off like she did to fucking luana carolina so or kgb lee oh then kgb lee would fucking piece lipsky up man that's not a good fight for her um and yeah dude the fucking the the sub by jack hermanson was unreal dude um i always thought like People talk about um, Jack Mance's grappling because he, like, submitted, um, what's it called? Um, he had that Armin guillotine that he used on David Branch. And uh, he did it on someone else before that as well, and I can't remember who it was. And then he tried it on Jacare, sort of almost got it on Jacare, which would have been insane. Um, but it, it almost felt like that was his one move. But then I sort of remember the... Um, uh, he had a fight with, I think, uh, Thiago, or no, Talis Latis, I'm sorry. I think it was Talis Latis, where he actually ended up hurting his rib. Um, I think Talis Latis is a black belt, if I'm not mistaken, and he outgrappled him, or at least was able to reverse him, and that landed some nice ground and pound. So that was um, that was a great uh, fight to show off his grappling skills. So, you know what, fuck me, I forgot that he is a really good grappler. So yeah, that was awesome stuff by him. And um, secondly... Jack uh, Jared Kennedy versus Jack Hermanson next. The, no, they just fought, mate. They just fought last year. Um, he said, or the loser of Till versus Bobby Knuckles versus Hermanson, and the winner faces the champ. He said someone else, but I remind you, the champ is Izzy, and no one is going to take that belt in a meaningful period of time. Um, so I would say um, Jared Kennedy versus. Um, well, let's put it this way. If, if Darren Till beats uh, Robert Whitaker, it could happen. I'm not predicting it, but it could happen. He's likely going to get a title shot, right? 
because he's streaking and you know, Bobby Knuckles is the number one ranked welterweight. You know, that makes sense. If Bobby Knuckles wins, are they necessarily going to give him another shot? I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying he doesn't, he wouldn't deserve it, but, uh, if that's the case, like uh, Whitaker versus Cannoneer was booked, y'all. It was booked for UFC London. And uh, that was before everything shut down, obviously. So I personally really want to see that fight. I would love to see Cannoneer versus Robert Whitaker. I think that would be a banger. And uh, the winner of that should get a title shot. So that's my opinion. And that actually is the end of the forum. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to... Um, if you want to be involved, you can record your question on your own. Email it to me at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can also send me a DM at fwm underscore pod, Twitter or Instagram. There are actually a few people who only follow me on Instagram um, that listen to the podcast. Um, yeah. And um, just figure it out. Like there's just there's so many ways to, to, to get in questions um, if you want to get involved. So do that. Um, we need more um, feminine energy in the forum. It's a Sasha's Fest. You know this. Uh, as a listener, you know this. My dynamics, not uh, dynamics, what are they called? Analytics, the fucking analytics um, show that my listeners, listener base is like 82% male or something like that. Like It's a Sausage Fest, bro. So, uh, love you guys. Now, I'm going to get into the preview for uh, Whitaker versus Till. All right, we got some great fights to talk about, and uh, it's going to be a banger. This next card, I think, is going to be a really fun card. I really miss the small cage, if I'm honest. Um, but, uh, hey, there were a ton of finishes on these last cards, so that can still happen on, on the big cage. Don't make no mistake. Opening up the main card, we have my homie Paul Craig. I should I say homie? I just really like the guy. Um, but my guy Paul Craig taking on... Gadzimurad Antigulov. Man, um, again, got to shout out Rhino and Drea. They said this uh, uh, was going to be a grappler's delight. I think that's going to be the case. Uh, I personally think Paul Craig is going to take it. And I know that's a fucking unpopular opinion. People hate Paul Craig sometimes. Um, Paul Craig is always winning until he's not. Or, sorry, losing until he's not when he gets the win. Or... Um, he gets the fucking shit beat out of him sometimes, but I fucking love Paul Craig, and um, I'm never going to pick against him. How about that? How about that, dude? I should have fucking picked him for the light heavyweight. No, I do love Anthony Smith, though. But fucking... <laughs> How wild would that have been? I was like, yeah, Paul Craig, best light heavyweight ever. No, um, I got Paul Craig taking on this one. I think uh, the Russian is going to beat the fuck out of him, though, first. So he's going to have to weather um, uh, an early storm and a, probably a late storm, to be honest. Like We could see a repeat of the fucking um, Ankalaev fight when uh, he literally got the triangle with one second left. We could see a repeat of that. And then we got Carla Esparza taking on Marina Rodriguez. And I think, I think it's Rodriguez, actually. I'm not sure. But uh, Carla Esparza, I think, takes this. Uh, it's going to be, a, uh, she's going to use her clinch work and uh, grappling. We might even see some Wallenstall, uh, if I can say that without being disrespectful. Um, it's not going to be the most pretty exciting fight, 
but I think it does favor Carla, at least marginally. Uh, but I just hope Marina makes it an exciting fight. I mean, fuck, I think she's the betting favorite. Not that I follow betting lines, but, you know, I got Carla Spars in this one. The Cookie Monster. All right, next one is uh, Alexander Gustafson making his long-awaited return and debut at heavyweight, taking on Fabricio Verdum. Um, I think when this fight was announced, I made a tweet that I said, Verdum chokes the fuck out of Gus. Um, I did that to kind of piss people off um, because I do think Fabricio actually could win this. Um, you know, Anthony Smith choked out uh, Alexander Gustafson. And while Anthony Smith is a black belt, um, if they were in a grappling competition, you know, uh, Anthony Smith and Fabricio, Fabricio would toy with him. Let's be honest. Like, Fabricio is one of those grapplers that's, like, next level. And... Um, so my thinking is, you know, if, if if he can do that, if Smith can do that, Fabrizio can actually absolutely do that. Now, on the other side of the coin is, you know, Fabrizio, when he came back, uh, his striking didn't look that great. And uh, Anthony got that entry because of his striking. And Gus has, you know, really good takedown defense in wrestling. And so I think that will favor him here. And I actually think Gus um, might even get a stoppage, you know, win. Like, that That was enough for Alexander Volkov to beat Verdum. Was, was to use his length and to just basically fight off the submissions and stand in his guard and, and beat the shit out of him. So I got Gus taking this one. Um, yeah. Hope he looks great. I'd have what I'm saying because we don't know how he'll look. Um, that's always a question. That was another thing that made me want, uh, want to pick for Doom as well is that, you know, how is Gus going to look at heavyweight? But he's a big 205er, and uh, I think if he just sort of stays in shape, um, he'll have an advantage. I mean, Fabricio's not a huge heavyweight. Um, the co-main event for this card is Mauricio Shogun Hua taking on Lil Nog. Um, hey Dana, what year is it? <laughs> I mean, really? Uh, no, in all seriousness, um, these guys are really old. <laughs> Just, no, I'm kidding again. In all seriousness, why is this fight happening? Uh, I don't want to see either of these guys um, take a beating. And with their style, that's going to happen. I see... I see an early KO happening, or I see a boring decision. Um, and I think either way, it favors Shogun. Uh, as much as it pains me to say that, uh, it's just fucking... This fight makes me sad, bro. I do not want to see either of these guys fight. They're, they've both been around way too long. They've got too many miles in the tank. Like, don't bring up their ages to me, please. Like, Don't say, like, Shogun's only 40. We've seen guys fight at 40. Like, bro, I don't even think he is 40. Which... My, actually, no, that would surprise me. I think he's at least 40. Um, but Lil Nog's probably 50. That's also a joke. Bro, why is this fight happening? I just, I can't, I don't even want to pick it. I don't. But I got Shogun for sure. Um, and that's my final, that's my final answer on that. And now we move on to the main event. So this, um, was really hard for me to pick. Um, I'm kind of critical of Darren Till just because uh, his stands are the absolute worst. And um, I've seen a couple tweets saying this. I think I've actually seen this from a few different people, which is like one of those things where I can't tell if it's either just like great minds think alike or if people are being hacks, which there's a lot of on MMA Twitter. Like, oh, type something, something without closing your eye. Like, bro, stop. Um... But Darren Till is good. And what I was going to say is I've seen a lot of tweets saying like, oh, I've watched all of Darren Till's 
um, fights, you know, since the cowboy fight, and I still don't know how good he is, which is a fair statement. Um, so he, I think he's from people that understand fighting. I think Darren Till is properly rated. I don't think he's over it, but I think he is overrated by a lot of the stands who think he's the goat and think he's a fucking like whatever. I get he's your countryman. I get you want to back him and like that's fine, dude. I love doing stuff like that. That's one of the things I love about fighting. But uh, if 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 you delude yourself into things things like that, um, could be could be dangerous. I know that it's like contradictory to my whole philosophy. I just I don't know, whatever. Uh, I love Darren Till. He makes me laugh so hard. Uh, making that fucking website, MikePerrysABum.com. That's fucking goat level trash talking shit. If we want to be honest, like that's fucking. He had to pay money to set that up, like bro. Um, but let's not forget. Robert Whitaker is one of the best middleweights probably of all time. He really is. He's that good, and he's not even in his prime. Now, the sad is he, is he took some years off his career in those wars with Yoel, and I fought, I watched the first one live. He fought that on one leg. It was either the first or the second round where Yoel hit him with a, a kick to the knee, and it blew out his knee, and he kept fighting and won. Robert Whitaker is next-level tough. He almost was going to fight Kelvin Gaston with a hernia. He had to be saved from himself and sent to the hospital. The man just doesn't fucking quit. Um, and a guy like that, I just can't pick against unless they're fighting Israel Adesanya. And in which case, I'll always pick Izzy. I mean, let's be fucking real. I'll pick Izzy against Godzilla. Like, don't fucking come at me, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, Robert Whitaker uh, is, is, in my opinion, going to take this. I think it's, uh, honestly, like, I'm super glad it's five rounds because... If I'm being honest, if it was a three-round fight, while that would probably make it more exciting, the rifle person may not win. You know, it would, it would go to the cards, and I feel like it would be a situation where someone it probably would win. Someone would probably win the first two rounds, and then the other person would start to turn the tide. That's what I think would happen if there was a, this was a three-round fight. But the fact that this is a five-round fight, they're gonna you know start to kind of be conservative in the beginning and then pour on later and that's going to separate the week from the chaff and i think robert whitaker comes out nine times out of ten boom we did it we uh we broke down this card by we i mean me obviously i was the one doing that so <laughs> guys it's a it's a it's a character piece this whole fucking cocky shit it's a character piece i'm obviously really insecure uh, but that's uh, that brings us to the end of our show. And again, when I say our show, I mean my show. Um, but seriously, thank you for anyone who gets this far. Uh, people always get surprised when I say this. Um, there are people who only listen for the forum. And I know that because they start tweeting about stuff that happens in the forum within like five minutes of me publishing the episode. I'm like, did you think I wouldn't notice, bro? And that's fine, honestly. It counts as a listen. Like For real, it does. So... Whatever floats your fucking boat. Um, and honestly, uh, I can't listen to myself ramble for two hours. So anyone that can, you fucking, you're a hero in my book. Like an actual hero. They should erect a statue in your likeness. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. I'm available on many platforms, but you know that because you're already listening to me on them. Um, I'm not on SoundCloud because I'm not an up-and-coming rapper, even though I am a better rapper than T-Witter and I will die on the hill. Um, I'm not on YouTube because I'm not an influencer, though I do seem to influence people to do some wild shit. So maybe I am an influencer. Um, 
No, really, thank you guys. Uh, buy my merch if if you if you want to support uh, a good cause, which is me and my cat. And uh, the link for that is redbubble.com slash people slash FWM pod. Thank you to everyone who has bought so some real legends have fucking and bought some of my stuff. Most recently, Dave Fretz, um, my my friends at Movies and Contemplation Pod, um, who do a great movie podcast. You guys should check that out. They bought some stuff. The man Elsie Trance was the first one. Joe Bloggs was was right behind him. My homie Leo has bought some. I'm pretty sure um, QAR has bought some. Um, obviously, Laura Purple Pants uh, has bought some. Fucking. Uh, Scotland for Fury, and I'm I'm probably gonna leave people out, but I I do want to shout out anyone who buys it. And by the way, it doesn't actually tell me who. Uh, so, uh some of that it's guesswork. Even if you leave a message like, oh yeah, MMA Assault, duh, MMA Assault um bought stuff, and he um left a message that you can do on Redbubble, but it, it's it's anonymous, it's weird. Um, but he told me right afterwards, so I was like, oh, of course that's him. Um, you know, so I I only know who um. I don't only know who it is if you've told me. So anyway, shout out to everyone who uh, got this far again, who supports me. I support you. I love you. Um, if uh, you got this far and you have anything you want to, you want me to listen to in support uh, to get your shit out there, to, to, to plug it, I will because we got to support each other. And on that note, good night and good fights.